0: wish every show was secret blank. Imagine, like, a cooking show, Ryan, secret bake-off. <laughs> you don't know you're watching a bake-off till like half an hour into it, and you're like, oh shit, that guy just made a
1: fondue. <laughs> the secret cook-off, or yeah, I, I honestly, you're, you know what? The more I think about that already, the more I'm like, damn, he's gone to something. <laughs> like seriously you could do like the secret car racing like you know like and have like a fast and furious kind of reality show there you go right there and that would be that'd be a hit
0: it'd be great you think you're watching one thing you think it's like a young and the restless type of soap opera and then they just start baking and they don't stop and by the end of it there's a strawberry shortcake on the table and everybody forgets what they were fighting about yeah i'd
1: watch it a uh, man, or like, you know, take, just reintroduce the Secret Garden, but the Secret Garden is actually like a historical battlefield that's that lives like in a time loop, where it's this Ooh. battlefield that you go to every single time. That would be epic. That's that's the kind I, of stuff I want to see.
0: I'm very impressed you remember Secret Garden. That is like, <laughs> that's a callback. and that ad- In fact, I'm pretty sure the filmmakers kept that movie secret because you're the only other human being I've ever met. i heard reference. Who talks about... <laughs> And your name Uh, is Ryan J.
1: Marvel. That's right. We are back. We are live. We got another Marvel project up live for us to do. So I'm so excited to be covering this today. It's going to be great.
0: Ah, welcome back to the Infinity Rewatch Show. Uh, It's been a hot minute, Ryan. It has. uh, And I'm Andrew. By the way, I haven't introduced myself yet. I'm Andrew Fantasia. That's whose voice you're hearing. And if you're watching on YouTube, whose face you're seeing. Uh, Or maybe I'm a scroll. You don't know. You don't know. We we could be lying. (laughs) Right? Uh, Uh, In fact, I just watched a very appropriate pair of movies yesterday. The two The Thing movies.
1: Oh, that's a classic.
0: Oh, my God. And isn't that kind of – and I didn't even plan that. I was just like, I want to watch these and I'm oh wow I have to talk about scrolls today like it's kind of perfect have you seen uh I think it's screamers I think it was screamers it's with the
1: guy I think it's called It's screamers or like screamers 3 but like it's the guy with the guy from Robocop and it's the same it's the same concept as well he's like there's these alien machine creatures who can replicate humans and they like yeah they like it there's you never know who's like a screamer or like a real person it's really cool. It's a good. It's
0: a good. One. Anything with RoboCop, I'm I'm in. Peter, yeah. the
1: guy from RoboCop. Oh yeah, let's yeah. Go. let's go. He's got a
0: video game coming out.
1: That's can right. you Believe
0: that that RoboCop game. I, oh, I'm
1: fun. I'm interested to see how it's going to play out because my one problem with games like that is like RoboCop's got one gimmick, and that gimmick is being just a badass robot that shoots things. But that gimmick can run pretty dry, pretty fast. So I'm very curious to see what they're going to do and how they're going to do it because, like, if they do it right, it's gonna be it's gonna be amazing and like at, introduce some new element to it, right? Like, here's the thing, and I won't get too into it, but I have to because now you've opened the gates on gaming. Open those gates,
0: my friend. And you open
1: the gates on gaming, and because I, I work, I, I there's a part of my job where I work in the gaming industry. It kind of gets me excited. So, um, you know, you look at a game like you look at a game like Batman: Arkham Asylum. Okay. You know, Batman games before that, they 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 get it, but they but again, it, it was a gimmick, it was more of a gimmicky thing like, hey, like it's here's Batman doing the same thing that you would see in like the like movies and shows, right? But Arkham Asylum took it to the whole new level where you actually have to be a detective and you get to do detective-like things, and that's what made it interesting and really cool. And then, and then you get to do all the crime fighting stuff, like knocking people out and doing the Pam pow, boom. and And not only that, layering in like an epic story with all the same voice actors. So there's there was many elements layered onto that game to make it what it is. And with Robocop, that's why it's it's like there's this like, um, there's this cautious excitement because like I'm very if they, if they can do what they did for Arkham Asylum and find some ways to layer in RoboCop, like, what if you had to solve crimes? You have to figure out, you know, you have to get the evidence and everything to to get that person. Like, adding those layers to being RoboCop would be really fun.
0: It is going to be a tough thing to adapt for gaming. The one thing that I saw that makes me happy is they kept that grungy 80s aesthetic. Yeah, yeah. the city graffiti looks like it, right. It's a graffiti style game. The city looks just like it popped right out of because they said it. The game is set between Robocop two and Robocop three, right? And it, it looks like it, man. It doesn't look crazy modern. So I think that that was one of the wisest choices they could have made is to put oh. you in that atmosphere because Arkham Asylum, man, that atmosphere was like that was to this day that's the coolest looking Gotham, maybe with the exception of the Tim Burton movies that we've gotten
1: is those games. I'll still go back and play it every once in a while, man. Cause it's just such a ride. It's such a ride. And like you, yeah, just like, oh man, just so much fun. It's that's how you do gaming in my opinion. Like that's, that's how you do it. But uh, speaking of that's how you do it. We are going back to the secret invasion. Now this is interesting because we are now at an interesting juncture with Marvel because we're in a new phase. And we just came out of an what I would call an awkward face. <laughs> because, <laughs> because because to be fair, I feel like Marvel was introducing a lot of characters, but the groundwork in terms of pacing wasn't really there. Each movie offered its own unique avenue, as most Marvel sh- movies should, and and as most Marvel movies should do. But you know, one thing I've learned from a lot of different shows that I've watched reviewing reviewing the subject, like Canadian Lad. And uh, and ro- new rock stars and stuff like that. If you look at the original like phase leading up to Infinity War, there is like an aggressive pace uh under, under underneath the movies, and it, it picks up picks up speed and becomes more prevalent in the later end of the movies to get to you know the Infinity War and Endgame stage. So at this point, you know Phase Four is kind of like the aftermath, and you know all these events are not really as connected as they may appear um and so you know we're kind of left with all these new chapters in a book that's not being well put like in a book that's in a book that feels very disconnected it doesn't feel as connected as it should be yet and so secret evasion is interesting because secret evasion comes at a point where we're in a new phase Um, and we now have this interesting concept, uh, interesting concepts that we're working towards. Uh, and what's cool about secret invasion is, is like, this is an opportunity to do what I love in storytelling, which is like, how do we fix plot holes and move the story forward and, and also expand. And I'm, I'm always worried when shows want to expand on certain areas of the story and like there's a difference between expanding it and also just, just relishing in something. You know what I mean? Like just wow. taking unnecessary time and doing what I call the walking dead uh, storytelling, where it's like, you're given like, I don't know how many episodes of in a season and like maybe four of those episodes actually propel the story forward. So with secret invasion, I was kind of worried because you know, it's, it's literally in that juncture where it's like, okay, okay. We just saw Ant-Man and all this stuff, and and Guardians, and now we need to pick up the speed here. We need to we need to get get this new phase going because that's the excitement of Marvel is like how are these heroes coming together? Because that's what we want to see. And Secret Invasion is a perfect example to bring things together because not only are, is everything coming together, but it's who do you trust? And that's the whole theme of it. And and doing it through Nick Fury is such a fun way to do it because this guy's been the ultimate spy in in a secret agency that doesn't exist. And here we are. Here we are in Secret Invasion. So that's that's kind of the stakes going into this show, which is really, really fascinating to me.
0: That's a great way to put it, is the Marvel stakes of it all. And yeah, phase four is, it is is awkward. It is an awkward phase. Uh, I love it. I love I love it for all its all its awkwardness and you know it it does have to do a lot of table setting the same way that phase 1 did.
1: Ooh, good good word there sir. Good Thank word you. table setting. Wow. It has
0: to. It's got to make sure everything's in the right place for when all the guests come over. The only difference is phase 1 had the benefit of knowing it was pointing in the direction of an Avengers film. Phase 4 didn't get to do that. It ended on a normal movie it ended on a black panther and technically on the guardians holiday special <laughs> <if you really laughs> want to. so it it had to do all of that without even getting everybody sitting at the table by the end of the day so it's really even more of a long game that's being played now and i'm fine with that i like that i love phase four though there was so much cool stuff in there um and now we come into the fifth phase and we're already three projects into phase five which blows my mind um, but I wanted to ask you, Ryan, what was your feeling, what was your temperature like when you heard Secret Invasion was going to be a show?
1: So good question. And I'm, I'm going to try to keep my answers short and, and, and concise here because like, I'm, I'm in an interesting spot with the MCU right now. Like I'm, I'm still in love with MCU. Don't get me wrong, but I'm, I'm, I'm not, I, I'm not where I, I feel like MCU is not where I want it to be. And it's not just I'm not speaking. I'm trying not to speak from like uh, a a very. Uh, I'm not trying to speak from like a selfish fan in the sense of like give me more. I'm um, trying to be very gluttonous. Like I'm trying to speak from very critic from a very critical eye. Here is that the whole purpose of the MCU was for heroes to cross pollinate. That was the goal from the very beginning. And with these projects um, that have come out as time progressed. There was cross-pollination, like, you know, having Wong and Shang-Chi is a perfect example. But at the same time, that's all we got, right? Same with She-Hulk, got Daredevil and She-Hulk, but that's all we got. And uh, Kingpin, Kingpin and Hawkeye is probably the one differentiating example because he becomes the, the main villain in the end, right? So with Secret Invasion, the temperature that I was going into this is like, this is a big story if you look at the secret invasion in the comics and I I, I've even told our audience this, I, I mean, I remember saying this and I think Jonathan even responded about it is like, we're at a point now where it's like, we are no longer, we can no longer base our expectations off the comics. Cause that's just not, we're not, we're way beyond that Mm -hmm. because, and that's a good thing because we want to tell, we want to tell these old stories in new ways in a film setting. So, that being said, though, is like, my problem is, is like, I want to be excited for Secret Invasion, because I do, I, I, and even leading up to it, there was, there were some moments where I was really excited. But uh, the other thing is, is I'm like, well, they don't seem to be doing the cross pollination thing as much anymore. So how are you going to tell a big story like Secret Invasion, and not do half the things that I've seen in the comics that you would do? Or even, the, and again, one of my big rules is, is if the cartoon does it better, then you got a problem, right? Because uh, the secret invasion in uh, Earth's Mightiest Heroes was really good, and they did some really clever things uh, with that. With that, and like you, you kind of get to see Nick Fury get really paranoid um, to a point where it's like you start to question if he's going nuts and stuff like that. Uh, and so this show, I was I I was excited, um, but I was cautiously optimistic because. The lately they're always like, Well, we didn't introduce you know, perfect example, we didn't put Wasp in Civil War because you know she wouldn't have got a lot of time, and so that's not, and her character would have taken away from the momentum of the show. And it's like, Would it have though? Because like comic fans want that, like you know, it's this is a wrestling match, like these show, these movies can still tell great stories, but it's like a wrestling match, we want to see Stone Cold Steve Austin come out during a match and just start causing havoc because it doesn't matter if it's, if, if it's consistent to the story, it's because we want these like godlike characters to come in and really start spicing things up. And I feel at times they don't introduce these characters in stories is because, well, it's not their story. It's this person's story. And it's like, no, it's, it's the, it's the situation story and whoever you want to throw in, that can help move that story forward. Go for it. Don't be shy to do it. Don't don't think that oh well the new we our new fans won't get it. No, that's the opposite of what you want. You want to throw in um, uh, you want to throw in as many unique characters as you can to really spice things up without without kind of oversaturating it. I get that, but you really want to throw characters in to spice things up because in the end, if your audience goes well, who's that? That's not a bad thing. Because what's gonna happen is, they're gonna go on the internet, they're gonna read the comics, they're gonna look for all the details, right? Like, if Moon Knight was introduced in uh, like She-Hulk, for example, like, we have a great character. Like, we have a great character who suffers mm-hmm. schizophrenia and, and in this show called She-Hulk, and you are like, wow, that character's interesting, or like, that character's different. And then it's like, well, who is this character? And then you, like, Marvel's YouTube channel, throw in, who is Moon Knight? Boom, there's your video. And it's like, where can you see him next? Oh, he's got a show coming out. Like that's that's how to do it. Don't be afraid to go in those directions, right? Like, and that's why I'm hoping. Like, don't wait to for Fantastic Four to introduce Fantastic Four. We have the Secret Invasion. So why isn't Reed Richards studying the scrolls? Right. So I, I was cautiously. So again, I try not to rant too much, but here I am. So But yes, I was cautiously optimistic because this is an exciting story event of Marvel that is very well known, um, but I was kind of worried because of the pacing currently and this critical juncture I was talking about that like you know we need to start really shaking the story up and get it moving, so like you know, I want to be going on the internet to be hunting down like what these clues mean, and I will say in the second episode, they they kind of filled that for me. The first episode, I was a bit worried going in, but the second episode, they really got me good. Um, But we'll get to that. So that's how I felt, my friend, uh, going into this, was temperature check was cautiously optimistic.
0: Okay, I can get behind that. And I like your train of thought. And I'm kind of riding the same train of thought myself here, um, but I'm coming at it. I, I just jumped on the train at a different station. And what I mean by that but is it's the same train. It's the same train. We're, we're both going in the same direction. We're sitting across from each other. We're like, hey, what's up? Hey. <laughs> what's up? Um, you take a Go train too? <laughs> yeah. Oh my God. I didn't buy a ticket. Don't tell anybody. <laughs> <laughs> but I got on the train at a weird station because of everything that has ever been announced by Feige for Marvel, period. I would say Secret Invasion is the one I was the least excited for. Um, I just don't care about scrolls, uh, and I've never been a huge fan of that idea of people are scrolls. Oh no, we got to figure out who's a scroll because, to me, you know, in something like The Thing, which we were just talking about, I'm cool with that idea in that context of, like, here's a feature film where that is happening. But in the case of the Marvel Cinematic Universe, that story doesn't appeal to me because it represents a lot of really dangerous territory. It could really jump into the realm of just undoing years of character development and story development. Yeah, Because if we get to a point where... I really hope this doesn't happen, but I've just, you know, you go on Twitter so much and you start getting bombarded with just awfulness. But like, I'm just thinking of the awful, terrible, horrendous choice of like, hey, that wasn't Tony Stark who died. It was a scroll and Tony's really around. It's like, no, don't do that. Please don't do that. Uh, or just like going a, a different route. Like, that's, you know, that's not, uh, Happy Hogan. Happy Hogan's been a scroll all along. He's never been friends with Peter and friends with Pepper and whatever. Like I don't want to undo great storytelling just for the sake of having a moment where somebody peels off a mask. Cause it's not worth it to me. It's not, I couldn't
1: agree more. Uh, actually I was thinking about this in the car today cause I spend a lot of time in traffic, but, um, I was thinking about this card today because I've been thinking about a lot of the movies that have been coming out lately, and every every movie seems to be trying to get on the multiverse train. And I I sat there thinking, like, please, writers and movie directors and stuff like that, don't use the multiverse to say, hey, you know, there is a bunch of bad stuff here, so we're just going to rewrite the history and just start from scratch. Because, like, you can take a bad moment and make it amazing. Like, you can... you. All it takes is a different perspective to really change the narrative of uh, of a story that may not work one way. but doesn't mean that be, that doesn't mean you need to erase its entire existence in order to start over again. You don't. What you could do instead is, and and it's kind of cheesy to say, but like if you've ever seen Wicked, uh, which is the Wizard of Oz musical, uh, and I know at uh, probably I can, hear, I can hear all the Marvel hardcores being like, dude, what are you talking about? But like, hear me out. They here. all love
0: Wicked. They, <laughs> Wicked goes yeah. hand in hand with Marvel.
1: They're all they're all in love with it. So here's the thing, though, is that they did something really smart, which is the, one of the most unique probably, this is probably in my experience of this content, one of the best ways to like tell a story. And, and another example that I've seen, but it came out after Wicked, which was Rogue One uh, did it as well. Which is they take an event and that event may not have answered all your questions. And you're like, so, so am I to just accept what I've seen and move forward? No, they tell another story that happens behind the scenes while it's happening at the same time that that is literally cause and effect, right? Like this happens, so this happens. And it's done so well that it helps the it helps you uh Going from being derailed to back on the tracks, and now picking up steam because you're like, oh man, that's so interesting, right? Like, so in Wicked, what they did was, you know, the water being thrown on the witch. Everyone's just like, well, that's just that's just the movie at that time. That was such a weird way for the witch to die. Just they threw water on her. Like, what is what ha- if she drinks water? Does she die? Like, I don't get it, right? But in the in Wicked, the story, the, the uh she plans an escape. And that escape is people thought because her skin was green that oh if they throw a water on her she's gonna melt and she just used that rumor to help create her exit and it's so it's it, it the way they do it and again I'm just cutting right to the the facts here but like when they did it in this in the story you kind of then get the whole picture and that to me is like don't do multiverse things where you're gonna you know fix the story by just re- hitting the reset button. That doesn't work. I don't, I don't believe and it's that. lazy. It's it is. It's lazy writing. Whereas like you look at wicked and especially like rogue One, oh, the death star, the stupid, you know, exhaust port, you know, this whole, th- whole debate about the do- exhaust mm-hmm. port. And rogue one's just like, Oh, well, you know, this guy had a daughter and he was an engineer on the death star and he decided to set a, a booby trap inside the exhaust port. New perspective. That shed that, in my opinion, made Rogue One like probably one of the most epic Star Wars movies, and uh, next to the classics because of that. Like, it's just like, like you could have easily done like, oh, you know, hyper the hyperdrive got hit and they went back in time and then they figured out how to set up the Death Star in a way to it pretty explode. No. They didn't do that. They simply said, oh, there's a daughter out there. She gets tied up with the Rebels, and her dad's the engineer of the Death Star, and he just he knew it was bad, and he just decided, I'm going to set up a booby trap, give this to the Rebels, they'll blow it up.
0: Yes, and it did it in such a good way that now you can't watch A New Hope the same way again because now you're thinking of how much that added to the story. And I yeah. think Marvel, the MCU has done that before, at least for me, when it made the Black Widow movie. Because after that, every time I watch an Avengers movie with her in it, or like a particular Infinity War, when she comes back from that adventure, I'm like, oh, man. She comes, her her she comes story is... Weight. Right. There's yeah. so much more weight to it now. And all of the little mysterious things about her have suddenly turned into this gorgeous tapestry of just character work. Mm-hmm. So to, to take the idea, uh, like the Happy Hogan example, if this show says Happy is a scroll, unless on day one when they were writing Iron Man 1, unless they sat down and said Happy's going to be a scroll, mm-hmm. then, which they didn't, we know they probably didn't, then that means whatever this reveal is going to do, it's going to be reverse engineered and it's going to feel kind of weird and sweaty and just, I I don't like that kind of storytelling thing. So that's why the idea of secret invasion just never appealed to me. Even in the Marvel United board game, uh, one of the expansions that is coming for it is secret invasion. And that was like at the bottom of my excitement list. I was like, you're wasting there's only so many miniatures we can have and you're wasting four of them on just scrolls? Like really? Um, So I went into this show, I don't even know what the right frame of mind was for, for my temperature going in, but I was just like, I wanna see Marvel, I'm excited for Marvel. I'm not excited for scrolls, I'm not excited for the idea of secret invasion, I'm excited for Marvel, period. Yeah and that encompassed Nick Fury, that encompassed getting to see Amelia Clark in any way, shape, or form, because it's Amelia Clark, and just getting to play in this world again. And that's why I believe we're going in the same direction here, buddy, because when you say this thing about Reed Richards and this being the perfect spot to put him in, I a hundred percent agree because that's a great thing to use this show for tell your story, whatever your secret invasion story is. And I hope it's great and fun and, and, you know, it's got something profound to say and whatever, but you're making the Marvel Cinematic Universe at the end of the day. So give it, give it a reason uh, to throw these people in that are part of this bigger tapestry mm-hmm. because otherwise I feel like this is going to be a very empty show. Yeah,
1: like exactly. It, it just, it... And again, unless you do something really clever, like if you're going to do a Happy Hogan reveal, like based on your early example, it has to serve a greater purpose going forward, not fixing something backwards. Right. It, has to, it has to work both ways, right? So in this show, yes. I think this shows like this serve a better purpose, and, and I 100% agree, introducing new characters that are going to shake up the overarching story. And that's that's how to do it um or even like dr doom for example like dr doom comes in and and he gives them a a scroll detector you know what i mean like Mm -hmm. but at the same time it backfires on him just as much as it helps them, right something like that so you now introduce to a new villain a new character who's going to change the narrative a little bit but that so yeah so that's where we're at going into this which is interesting and and again like marvel is marvel still at this point can't do much wrong like people will come to a marvel project they will come but that being said i'm starting to see the the i'm starting to see the the i'm starting to see the fatigue in people who are more casual with marvel now uh where fans are still like fans are like they'll take a hit and they'll be like okay marvel i know you got some good stuff coming so let's Let's fix this. Let's keep going. Right. Uh, but casuals are starting to kind of I'm kind of seeing the fatigue here. They're like, maybe I'll skip this one. Kind of wait to see it you know, later on, that kind of thing. So but yeah, like like that's that's where the show is at. And it's I think even our, our audience here, as you're probably listening to this year, you may think the same and let us know, like you may think the same. Uh, whether you let us know on the the Rebel Scum YouTube channel or on, on Twitter, we I do keep an eye on Twitter. I have seen the posts, uh, but yeah, uh, I like. To me, I think I think it's interesting to see where Marvel's at right now, and I think I think they need to start doing some bold introductions and ideas to really get people back in the game, get some back some get back some skin in the game, get the debates going again, because one small clue can take it so far. And it, 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 it could be a name reference, it could be a an image, it could be a, a dossier file, whatever, uh, which they used to do in the the older stuff a lot more in front of you. Let those debates go. Like, you don't even have to answer the question, but you can at least start the conversation. It would be nice if you answered the question, but yeah.
0: Yeah, that's, I mean, there's a lot they could do to spread some kind of season. Yeah, that dossier thing, that's very phase one. That really takes me back. Um, did they? Uh, how many episodes is Secret Invasion supposed to be? Is it six or eight? Six. six. Okay, cool. So we're already two, thir- uh, one third of the way there. We're not
1: even at mid season yet, but we will be. T- we will be next week.
0: Next week we will be. Uh, we're covering the first two episodes today because I was in New York last week, so I couldn't watch it till I got back. Yeah. Um, but my first note, just in general for the show was Chris Bowers, who is doing the score, composing the score. The music on this show friggin' rocks, man. This is some of the best Marvel music we have gotten, from the theme song to just the song throughout the action, the the music set pieces. Like Everything is really – the music just grabs you. It's so engaging. So Chris Bowers, that's a name I'm keeping an eye on from now on.
1: Hmm. yeah no for sure it's it's a great uh, i know it, it's this is great insights for me too is like the new the new blood they bring into these shows to create new dynamic sounds and, and feels of atmosphere is definitely something to keep an eye on and i think the show the show does a great job of introducing kind of a uh I, I guess the word is eerie feel to the show and it works in its benefit because that's the whole thing about the scrolls is like they're they're familiar but you can't trust them right because they're there's someone you may know but they may not be the that person so they may be a scroll so uh yeah no definitely the tone obviously the intro with the ai gener generated uh experience is a little uh, a little um scandalous i would say because a lot of people are not happy about that for marvel uh but to be fair marvel is marvel is just coming out of overproducing too much stuff and they they were hiring a lot of different studios, left, right, and center, to do a lot of VX, VFX stuff and everything. So, uh, I think the show is coming at a time now, where they're slowing down a little bit, but still they're coming out of that stuff. So, when AI comes out, of course, any new business is going to gonna want to try it, and what better way to do it than to do it on a, a streaming series, uh, you know, as opposed to a movie. So, if and it's do not you think well, it's
0: with- uh, do you think it's by design that AI is known to Produce not a hundred percent great facsimiles of human beings that unsettle people, and that's exactly what the show is about. Uh,
1: well, I th- <sighs> there's two ways I look at this. One, I look at this as just a business experiment of being like, "Hey, let's try using AI and for an intro and see what happens." You know, that kind of thing. With the uh, because if it go if it went if it went well, then it's like, "How did Marvel do it? And how do they use AI to do it?" But that's clearly not what happened because AI's AI is not in a good social space right now, <laughs> um, but uh, but on the other side of the coin, from an artistic point of view, and again, it's all about it's all about shifting the perspective, right? The way I see it is, it's like, uh, did a human do it or did a scroll do it? Because like that's that's the feeling that you get is like, wow, did someone do this? And and that makes you think, well, who did it? And so I think that's the kind of how it's supposed to be served. Now I could now either I'm either I'm like uh, either I'm smarter than I look in the sense of like that's a really good response. And Marvel could easily say, Yeah, that's exactly what we did. But at the same time, who knows what they were trying to do with that intro. But I I, I liked it. But you're right, the music was really, really cool. Um, and they really set a cool tone for Marvel. And what I like what I like that this show did right out of the gate is it sets a different tone than what we've seen before. And that's exactly what we need to be doing. Like it, it may still have that Marvel polish where the colors and stuff kind of look similar to other movies, but the flow and feel completely different.
0: And even the polish is subdued, especially in episode one. Like a lot of things are just steeped in shadows. The most Marvel polishy scene we've gotten was mm-hmm. the episode two scene where the evil council meets and they meet in that big, beautiful green room. Um, that was just a feast for the eye. When I saw it, I was like, oh, my God, color. Yes, thank you. Because <laughs> uh, so far the show was set in Moscow, Ryan, and Moscow is the most gritty place on planet Earth. Uh, if you want your show to be gritty and not look pretty, you set it in Moscow or parts of Russia, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. So, like, they they really got down to the basics, and it looks Spartan. It looks bare. Everybody's in a bare room with just a table and a chair. Um, And, I mean, I guess that's kind of the medium kind of suiting what it's giving us uh, and feeding off that. Because we understand that these shows are of smaller budget than the films. And I don't think any of the Marvel shows have looked as low budget as Secret Invasion looks. And I'm not necessarily saying that as a negative. It just is what it is. It, Samuel L. Jackson is probably the most expensive uh, pe- like, property for Marvel in that room because he's just a really well-known actor that people like, so he costs money. Everything else in that room is like there's a gray wall and a chair. Secret Invasion. <laughs> Secret Invasion.
1: <laughs> it all takes place in one scene. uh yeah no i agree it's it's uh it's definitely there's some interesting moments but again it's it's it doesn't feel i mean it it looks low budget but it doesn't feel that way because it it fits the narrative of what they're doing and so we kind of we kick off the first episode of like a spy versus spy kind of thing and we get to see um we get to see uh good old what's his name Uh, uh everett Mm, Everett Ross, yes. Everett Ross, thank you. That's the last name I was looking for. Uh, so we get to see Everett Ross, and but it, they have this thing. The guys like you know got the uh got the the sketch thing going. Like, oh my god, you know, I know that there's these shape shifting aliens, and they're everywhere. Like, that's that's exactly the narrative I was hoping for with the secret evasion. Is like you want you really want to stir the pot, and like you know you can't trust anyone, like anyone, and it's not like. You go outside you got to look around every corner it's like no which is even scarier is like anyone you talk to could be a skrull um and so but the other the interesting thing i got to say about this show too is that that you know this goes back to fixing storylines and narratives and i gotta say the Scrawls narrative wasn't quite strong for me in captain marvel i mean that movie had a lot of potential. But definitely, the scrawls did not do as well as I hoped them to. Um, they kind of got Disney- what what people would define as disnified—in uh, the sense of like, like they they were nerfed. Like essentially, they're just these refugees, and like you know they're are quirky, and and you know like they're just trying to find a home. Like you know that's as simple as that. Um, when when if you look in the comics, like this is these guys these guys have been at war for a long time, but they got some dirty tricks. Like they can shape shift for one thing uh, and then they create the super scrolls for another thing so they get they get crazy with genetic modification like the war between the scrolls, the scrolls and the kree get really out of hand like the kree even go to earth a long time ago and they they start experimenting on humans and that's what kind of kicks off the inhumans um so, you know, is, is, is that, you know, the inhumans are a result of the scroll of, of the creed messing around. So, and then, and then the war gets to a point where they start like trying to build like jump uh, hyperdrive jumps things. And and that could destroy the earth with the Sentry robots and everything. So it gets pretty out of hand. So, but for them to start in Captain Marvel, with just messing around with memories and being shapeshifters. And, and in the end, they're just victims. Like it's, there's a way to make me there's a way to make them appear as victims and and make characters in the show feel that they're victims, but make me go, no, hey, you guys gotta wake up. They're bad. They're bad. Don't do it. Right. But that's that's what you want. You want investment. And for me to make them, if you're making me just feel generally bad for them from the get go all the way through, then I'm not connected to it. I don't care that they're the victims because if, if they're already portrayed that way, I don't need to see it that way. Like I, I need to see what really makes them the victims. And so coming into the show, you know, Talos uh, has now, you know, he's, you know, been working for fury and trying to help him with all the spy versus spy stuff and like trying to keep the scrolls under wraps. So in the end, I'm kind of like, okay, let's figure out this show is a good opportunity to figure out what's really going on with the scrolls. So episode one did a good job of kind of introducing that. And what I'm gonna to say too is that what's really awesome about the show is most of the scrolls we've been introduced to pretty much are characters from the comics. And a lot of some of them are really key and interesting characters that are that are not currently seen that way. But if you play it out, if it plays out certain ways, they will then then this will be one of the first big shows where the comic having knowledge of the comic books is gonna come in handy. Because certain events, certain characters may play exactly into the events that cause the secret invasion to go the way it does.
0: So, on that note, tell us about Gravik.
1: Gravik. Oh, boy. Okay, Gravic. First of uh, all, the guy
0: who plays him sounds exactly, if you close your eyes and just listen to him talk, he sounds just like Clive Owen.
1: Yeah, so Gravik is kind of interesting, because Gravik is um, he's kind of like a how do I say this? He's kind of like a Princess Veronky type of character. Like, he's the, uh, he's kind of like a, he is a general. He does he does become a general. So, which is interesting, because that gets into episode two a little bit there. And Gravik is, uh, is, again, he knows that he can bring the Skrulls uh, Earth as their home. So, that kind of already plays into where the comics is kind of going to, going to, gonna play into you know what i mean like like, uh gravic gravic is the guy one of the instruments that help drive the scrolls into believing that earth is like the prophecy of their home and like and that uh and that you know that's it's their right that they get it because they're the superior uh species so that's that's where gravic comes into play with the whole scroll thing
0: Cool. Okay. And but there's uh, one
1: there's one that's really interesting that I'm interested in looking for called called I think it's Pagon or or Pagan. Pagan is played by an actor named Killian Scott, and he is the most important scroll to keep your eye on because it's him who gets killed first, turns into a scroll in public. And that causes the public to realize that the scrolls have invaded Earth.
0: And which one is he the one that Amelia Clark recruits? And she's like, you're the new guy. No, guy. no, no,
1: no, no. He's um he's kind of the right hand of Gravik. He's he's like the the lead, one of the lead
0: guys. Okay. Is he the guy who came in first time we see Gravik, He's like sitting stirring a cup of coffee, and then some guy comes in and talks to him. Is that the gun?
1: Uh, yeah. That's him.
0: Cool. Okay. So his
1: name is his name is either uh, Pagon or Pagon, and um, yeah, he was posing in in the comics. He was posing as Electra, and he gets killed, and then he becomes the Skrull, and then everyone's like, "Holy crap, Skrulls are real!" And then right. that causes everyone to lose their mind. Yeah, and yeah. Uh, and then there's um, another scroll. There's another scrawl who's going to be interesting named and if this is a blink and you miss it scroll but her name is Kriga and Kriga is one of the first super scrolls.
0: Mm-hmm. So
1: and then and that also speaks to a narrative that's coming. Um, but, but uh um Talos Gravik and uh, there's another one uh Kind of a lower end one. He's kind of like an older man. There's an older man scroll. I can't remember his name right now. Uh, but essentially those ones were like in the older comics that tie to uh the Fantastic Four. And um and yeah, it's a it's a big thing. Uh but Talos is interesting because Talos is from Incredible Hulk, and Talos is actually a scroll who I, I just learned recently who can't shape shift. He oh, actually becomes He's, he, because of his lack, because of his ability, uh, or lack thereof, sorry, because of his lack of ability to shapeshift, he actually becomes a more aggressive general fighting type. Like he comes with, like a guerrilla commando because he can't shapeshift. So he just becomes like an amazing fighter.
0: He overcompensates. Yeah. That's cool. And I'm assuming, um, Gaia, Amelia Clark is a Gaia. I'm assuming yeah. she's yeah. important. She's a person from the books.
1: She is, a, she's also a character from the books, uh, but honestly, nothing, nothing too important with her, to be honest, unless they pull some Marvel thing where she's like one character and then part another character. I have so a wh- feeling
0: that's what's going to happen. I have a feeling we're in for, she's half Gaia and half Queen Baranki. I, I have, think have
1: a that. feeling that someone, someone has to be Queen Baranki because she's a big character and you can't kind of do the scrolls without her because she's like, she's big. Like she's a big mm-hmm. character. Um, and is yeah, so so it's coming kind, of, kind of interesting notes too, especially with the scrolls, I gotta say, because like the other thing that I thought was really interesting is is that you find out the first episode very quickly, like, oh, um Taylor's wife's dead. And so, yeah. and you're just like, What? Like that's all we get? She just died, and she was like Maria Hill for like 90. Like, sorry, she was Maria Hill for like the last time we saw her and and that's it like oh too bad she's dead and like so so do we just accept that like like again like why couldn't they start with her in the show and like have her death scene be like a big thing or you know whatever but um but i guess it serves a certain purpose later because i'm sure we're going to talk about that uh but yeah so that's so the the scrolls are interesting because there's a lot of key players in the scroll group that's really fascinating and uh yeah, the first episode though is is kind of an interesting pace uh because a lot of it's just like Nick Fury and Talos the buddy cop movie. Uh and they and they kind of do their thing. Um and then they're like trying to hunt down his daughter. And so I don't so yes, I I do feel you in the sense that she I think there's a bigger role with her that she may not know or like like it is very possible Talos could just simply come out and say like look she is my daughter, but I've been keeping a secret from you. She's actually like the last of like scroll royalty or something like that. Like it, that's, it's possible. It's not the best way to set up the narrative, but like, or, or at least the way I'm like delivering the facts, but like there is a narrative you could do where he's like holding on to a big secret about her.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And then on the other hand, the even more kind of in your face theory that I think a lot of people have already put forward is, Olivia Coleman, uh, who is playing the head of MI6, I believe. Uh, God, what a fun character. She's just like this actor, she's so good in yeah. everything. Uh, all the way back to Hot Fuzz. She was so much fun in Hot Fuzz. Uh, and she has the best line of either of these first two episodes where that guy's like, that door was locked. And she says, yeah, and yet I still got in. So, what does that tell you about me indoors? <laughs> so- <laughs>
1: Uh, she is a fascinating character, actually, because uh, her last name, if you didn't catch it, is uh, quite a big one. Her character's last name. I did not catch it. Her last, her character's last name, first of all, her full name, is Sonia Fallsworth.
0: Sonia okay. Fallsworth.
1: Sonia Fallsworth. Now, there is no direct counterpart in Marvel uh, in terms of a comic book counterpart, except for one person. Now her character may not be a combo character. She's a new character. If you, if if they just changed her, if they tweaked her name. But like her, her relation could be uh that her grandfather is one of the howling commandos. The British guy with the red.
0: His last name was Fallsworth.
1: His last name's Fallsworth.
0: Ooh. Okay, so that could guys the
1: guy that's like I beg your pardon.
0: Yeah, yeah, he was very British. That could I feel like that could be just a fun little Easter egg they threw in because she is supposed to be heading up MI6. So if that guy went on to have like a big illustrious career in British intelligence after the war, and Mm -hmm. then you know it just kept his 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 children and now his grandchild whatever. Um, So that could be just a fun little thing, but she's definitely i don't know i got the sense like they're trying to make us think she's a scroll so i don't know if it's too on the nose but i feel like if anybody on the show is going to be queen bronchi it's going to be her
1: could be as well uh could be as well i mean uh the the james fallsworth uh has a son and his son's a big character in the comics because his son is union jack and, and oh cool and i know the writers uh kevin smith did a st- series uh or sorry an interview with the writers of marvel that were like the big writers for the russos and they were saying that there's a writer on the team that's always wanted to introduce union jack and they just can't figure out how to do it and they may they may have done it i don't know they may have do they may be able to do it in the show but i i don't know at this point yet i i doubt it. but uh but at the same time it's just an interesting her last name does play an interesting um uh, you know, interesting thing to it.
0: Well, again, this is the perfect place. If you're going to introduce Union Jack, here's your springboard. This is where to do it, right?
1: Yeah. Nobody
0: was clamoring at the gates of Kevin Feige's house saying, please give us Frogman. <laughs> yeah. But at the same time, what better place to throw him into the mix and make him a part of the MCU than She-Hulk, right? So Union Jack fits with this. Do it. Put him in there. If he lands, you can throw him in more stuff. If he doesn't land in whatever, and you just, he's just there for this show, fine. Right. Yeah, I'm can, okay if we never see him.
1: If he fails now, he could be a cameo later. You don't have to like just can him there.
0: Exactly. Yeah. So, so. we might be in for, and like, like you said, we don't want to sound like the whiny fans are like, because that's that's not what we're about. We want good storytelling first, absolutely. But this is a shared universe at the end of the day. Don't wait until, you know, the movie comes out in 2026 to introduce us to the Fantastic Four. Give us a reason to be excited for them. Mm -hmm. Um, And that goes for all these other characters, right? If you announce five months from now, you're getting a Union Jack show. Everybody's gonna be like, "What the hell's that?" <laughs> so, who the hell's that, right? Yeah. That's why we got Echo and Hawkeye. Because otherwise, I would have been like, "What's an Echo? Why should I care?" Yeah. Uh, so th- th- this is the place to do it. Give us the those big, I-, I say cameos, but that's kind of the wrong phrase for it. But give us those character introductions and that mix of Marvel stuff because that's what we like to see, baby.
1: That's it. No, that's exactly it. We like, to, we love to see that. And, and the, and the thing is too, yeah. So like throwing these characters, but I, again, is a great, a great character call out here is like, are, are we going to see her call out her like grandfather potentially? And like, you know, who's a Halloween commando? You know, the Spider-Man did the same thing. The principals, uh, the principal was the grandson of one of the Halloween commandos as well. So it's like, let's see more of that. Yeah, let's go. And so Secret Invasion uh, has some interesting players, too, because we do have Maria Hill in this. And Maria Hill, uh, her story did not go as well as I hoped it to. She did. She did. Uh, spoilers, dead. by the way. But, like, yeah. they just killed her. And, like, and like, to be fair, she really didn't have much of a story. Like, I don't know if it's just, like, Kevin Feige was just like, well, we, I think we used her the way we wanted to use her. and. And then Agent Shield's like, oh, we could do some cool stuff with her. And then Kevin Feige's like, well, Agent Shield's not really MCU. And just like, just close that chapter right there. And then that's it. End of Maria Hill. And it's a shame too because Maria Hill is a un- she's supposed to be adding unique perspectives to Nick Fury. Like she's supposed to be like the the character who kind of always kind of makes him go like makes him consider alternatives, right? Like yeah. the, like it. Her in Avengers One was a perfect example she was constantly questioning everything he did and that was never a bad thing it was just like she's supposed to be his like second eye or second pair of eyes I guess but like uh but yeah it was just like kind of like okay you know like I guess that's it for her
0: yeah Avengers 1 was I think that was like peak Maria Hill yeah and was that the first time we ever saw her we did, yes, did we it see was. Her? Wow. Okay. So that was her first appearance. Wow. And we've had sporadic Maria Hill thrown in. We got her in Ultron. Where else did we get her? Because Spider-Man was a lie. That was a scroll. We
1: got her in Winter Soldier.
0: In Winter Soldier. Thank you. Yeah. So she's had like a good three, four appearances under her belt. Um, And it, it wasn't, devastatingly sad to see her die, but it was like a big punch to the gut because she's been around since phase one. Uh you know, we all she's just this constant person that's always there in the same way that I'm sure Fury sees her as just like this constant friend who's always there for her. She's just always been there for us as fans. Like, hey man, when stuff gets crazy, it's okay. Your old pal Maria's here and I'm gonna, you know, be your your human counterpart on this journey of gods and creatures and whatever yeah. so uh it's it's a big uh, it's a big loss for the heroes to to have to not have a character like maria hill anymore but i want to see the impact of her death have as much story impact as colson's death
1: yeah yeah um, yeah, exactly, and 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 it's interesting too because Gravic. We kind of learn more about Gravic in the next episode, and if you're going to demonstrate a villain's power, yes, you take out some, you take out a a key anchor in the hero in the hero's character, right? So you take out a supporting character or something like that, yeah. but it just to me it felt too easy for that villain to take out Maria. Now, is it one of those fake death things? Live model decoys? I don't know, right? Like, is there a trick up their sleeve? Is Maria really gone? And if so, then that could be an interesting narrative when she comes back and how convoluted, you know, her comeback is, you know, kind of exactly like Kingsman talks about. Is like, I'm gonna tell you my evil plan and then you're gonna come up with an equally ridiculous way to like counter it. And it's like, so is Maria Hill really dead is the question. And I don't know, but if she is, it, it kind of, it's kind of abrupt, you know, and it's, it's just there. And it doesn't really, I felt like it didn't really demonstrate how intense graphic is. Like all I've seen is this guy just makes state bold statements in public areas and he doesn't care about public safety, which, you know, any kind of, you know, any kind of villain can demonstrate but what i need to know and and i i guess we haven't seen it quite yet is like why is this guy such an intense threat and in the second episode we kind of get into why the scrolls are a threat yes. and but we haven't quite got to why gravik is the is the scariest one of them all and i think i think we're starting to scratch that surface but that's just my point is like the first episode is good but it doesn't it doesn't have a finesse to it it's just it's just like it just feels like the motions of things and i but i'm i'm still following the rhythm but i'm not truly feeling the dance you know what i mean like i'm not feeling (laughs) what the key players are really doing here um and it's not till the second episode kicks off in the train that becomes like the big one for me like that's the train scene is by far the that turned this show up t- for me to eleven. Like okay, now we're into something, and it kind of fixed the scrawls for me. And going back to the perspective here. Now I apologize if I'm moving a little quick here, but like I wanted to get to the second episode because to me, I'll do it. Yeah, yeah. The second episode to me by far is like this is why we're here. This is why we're watching this show. And the train scene is the perfect example. He had and and this is something I do like in writing Fantasia that I think that you could kind of add a little perspective on is there's a rhythm to the way the character talks that makes you remember why the character is the way they are. Um, And Nick Fury, one of my favorite scenes is when he talks to cap in the elevator and he talked about how his grandfather used to run elevators and how life was for him. And then on the train, he uses the, he uses the same storytelling to connect with Talos, and and he's like, and he talks about taking the train and, and you know and and the racism he dealt with back then. Uh, but what opens up the story on Secret Invasion is he goes, we played a game, you know, tell me something I don't know, and this scene has so much gravity to it that it can speak volumes to the audience. Now, this is, this is to me was like, if Marvel can just hold on to this, this is the kind of storytelling Marvel should be doing, which is they, he goes, tell me something I don't know. And he said, well, you know, sprawls are refugees. He's like, that's not the game. The game is tell me something I don't know. And then he's like, okay, well, you know, we're in a war with the Kree, and they just overwhelmed us, and now there's you know a million out of us out there in the out there in the universe, and and then and then uh, you know Nick Fury keeps playing the game, and it kind of is interesting because this is where I talk about how it speaks to different audiences because the the Skrulls did not lose against the Kree in terms of their planet. Their planet was eaten by Galactus and then they left because they had a prophecy that a planet eater would come and that they would get a new planet to call their own. And that planet was earth. Thus the secret invasion. And they do kind of make you, I think they do a great job. And I don't know if it's just a fan of me looking for this, but I personally think they did a great job making you go, was it this, was it the Kree that got them off the planet? Or was it Galactus? Interesting. And, wow. then, and then what fixes the whole Scrolls Scrolls as like a faction within the MCU was when he goes, Well, there's millions of us and we're all here. That was like, yes, that's the scrolls I know, because the scrolls I know, they're sneaky buggers and they don't play fair. And uh, and the fact that Talos just dropped this huge bomb on, on Fury, I loved it. And then Fury, who thinks he's in control, just realizes that he is not, and that is brilliant.
0: This was a beautiful scene, man. I couldn't agree more. This was great, and it was it, it felt like because it's such a reactionary scene to Maria's death. It's the winding down emotionally from Maria's death. It's Nick Fury letting it all out after Maria's death. Um, It really makes me feel, just from the two episodes we've seen, that this has the pacing of a movie, not a streaming show. Um, Streaming shows, you really feel a different vibe. You really feel like they're chopping it up at a particular spot because they want you to come back next week. And we have seen the patterns in them, right? Where it's like the first episode is great and the second one's a little bit slow because it's a streaming thing. But this did not feel like that. This felt like I'm... It it literally feels like I put on a a Blu-ray of a movie and I just paused it and came back to it after a week. And then I paused it again and now I have to come back to it in another week. Uh, It's... And I'm really curious when we see the whole picture if it would have worked as a movie because... I think if you make this with the same low budget that they're making it right now and put it in theaters as a mid-budget film, they could have really capitalized on it in a way that I don't think they can on Disney+. Plus. Yeah? that's the, Streaming is a tricky situation right now, and it's really an unsustainable way for the industry to make money, but uh, it's too early to call. But right now, it really feels like this is a movie that we just keep pausing. Uh, and that train scene was brilliant. I loved hearing about Fury and his mom. The way he described the food that his mom packed sounded amazing. I love whenever characters talk about food. And I'm just like, oh, that sounds good. I want some of that.
1: Um, great, character, great character development. It's yes. So good.
0: I love seeing the softer side of Fury. This show is really up front and center with the softer side of Fury. I love his bromance with Talos. Um, You know, we watched Fury for so many movies and shows. We've watched Fury interact with people like Coulson and Tony Stark and Captain America. And we really get the sense that he's always in and out of their lives. But this is the first time we've seen just Fury having a true, honest-to-goodness friendship. And it's just so pure and so real. Uh, And there's nothing like we feel like if there was no invasion happening if nothing bad was going on if the world was totally fine these guys would still be bros and they'd be hanging out all the time right so it's it's a really cool new type of relationship that's kind of rare in the MCU
1: it is kind of rare in the MCU and but again yes i agree with you the streaming world's a bit difficult but that's i think it's because it's tackling an audience that's non-committal People like people, you know, some people don't have times to go to the movies anymore and spend, you know, two and a half to three hours in one spot. Right. Where it's easier to just sit and digest something for an hour and then come back to something later. Now, of course, people, once they like something like a show, they will binge it like they will digest it as quickly as possible. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, yeah, it's just like it's just a really interesting way. I, but that's the thing. I don't think streaming is doing exactly what it promised to do from the beginning. Um, uh, aside from shows like Stranger Things, really, uh, but like you know, shows like shows like uh, you know, uh, all these Marvel MCU shows, they're not living up to the the potential they could have. I think Wandavision was one of the closest, yes, uh, personally, uh, and so was Loki. But in the end, like these shows should be building the universe uh, just as quickly as the movies are. In fact, the whole point is is like you should you should be watching these shows and then going to the movies. And, and but yes, the movies still play a role in the sense of like we want to make sure that the audience isn't left confused. but there should be some element of like or, or, or a recap of some kind that helps connect both audiences, as I used to joke in past streams, the people in the back of the theater. it should connect both audiences in, and really just say, okay, if you haven't seen it, you probably should go back and watch it because this is what you need to know. If you have seen it and you do know this, now here's the next piece of the puzzle. So that you that the people who are experienced that have seen both sides of the content can keep moving forward where the people who haven't seen it have to go back and do some homework because there's stuff you missed, right? Like right. Maria Hill dying, that's something you missed. And and if 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 there's some again, I don't know what purpose this is going to serve Aside from like, really, you know, demonstrating the villain's power and and of course, you know, leaving a, a hard blow in in Nick Fury, but in the end is like, okay, so now this is something you missed if you haven't been watching the show, and you should watch it. I, the, honestly, you should. There should always be that right. Like that's that was the beauty of TV shows back then is like some big cliffhanger happened, uh, and like you know this, you have to wait like next week for the next you know, entry in the series that week is a grueling week. Cause you're constantly waiting for like, what's going to, what does this mean? And if, and, uh, the best part is, is like, let's say you haven't been invested in the show and they do something big. And then your friend tells you, oh, have you been watching? It's like, no, I haven't. Well, you, you won't believe what happened. Uh-huh. And then you jump back in and then the show goes last time on whatever, and they tell you, they give you the event of what happened, but they don't tell you, they don't explain to you how it happened. And, it's, and you're just like, what happened? Oh my God, this person, this is something happened to this person. Then you watch and then now you have to backtrack and then catch up. So it's, it's, there's, I think there's, there, I think streaming services are still missing that level of intensity, that, that suspense, because it's, it's, you know streaming shows still have that kind of snack fulfillment is like i'm going to have this snack before i go to dinner but now i'm coming to the dinner full and it's like well now i'm watching this now i'm having this dinner that i'm not really hungry for yeah you know i mean and that's kind of what's happening with all the streaming stuff it's kind of giving you kind of giving you the stuff but it's not really fulfilling you it's just it's just buying you time for the next project or like you know that's it right so so yeah so but but again this the second episode kind of is on the right track of storytelling because we get into the train scene and then that picks up and and now we know and fury knows like shoot that's bad like i got way more than i bargained for a million scrolls a million that's a lot keep and then they can shape shift and be key players in any world government which is nuts
0: and it's exactly what's happening.
1: And then the best, and then the next best storytelling element in the in the MCU uh, in Disney's world here is, is that what does he do? He calls up his boy Rhodey. Now we're cross pollinating. So now we're adding that extra layer of superhero element. Rhodey is a perfect character that you can sprinkle in and drive the story forward. Which is he works for the U.S. government, and he's a big role in the U.S. government. And he goes to him and he's like, Look, this is bad. And I'm asking for your help in this. And Rody's like, yo, you're a sketch, man. Like, shield a sketch. I can't help you. And then, and then, you know, Fury tries to connect with them on a personal level. Like, look, you know how bad things are. We need to, this is the time where we need to stick together and trust each other. And he's like, I can't, I can't trust you. So Fury goes out on his own. And so that, that story so far is serving so well. And it's really picking up speed. And then the best part is, too, is that, you know, that the helps with the Captain Marvel story, which is that Fury goes, okay, look, like, you know, we have Captain Marvel going to help, you know, you guys find it. But while some of you are here and you guys can shapeshift, why don't you become spies, you know, and you can help us save the world. And it's, it's a great uncle Sam moment of like, just like I, you know, you know, I want you to help me, you know, and I will stay committed on my promise. If you help me on, you know, if you stay committed on yours and help me and, and now they're feeling betrayed. So it's like, okay, all the stakes are now in the right place. Every, all the characters, like you said, the table is set and now I'm hungry for dinner here. I want, I want a good meal because now the scrolls are in the right place. They're right. The their story's in the right place, and Nick Fury's is exactly where his character needs to be, and how he needs to be challenged. Which is the world he thought he was in control of, is now, and it's exactly that. He's like, and he said it. I think he said it uh, in Captain Marvel. He's like, you know, we were always looking. uh, We were always looking for our next threat. You know, we didn't know that they'd be coming from above. And then the perfect part is, is that when Avengers happens, he was technically prepared you know, based on the story of Captain Marvel, he is technically prepared because he knew that it would be coming from space and he has the helicarrier and the whole nine yards. And, and uh, yeah, and then the Avengers and, you know, the Avengers could be a good way to prevent, you know, threats that are way beyond their ability to handle. So, so now secret evasion comes down and then the first thing is like, why don't you call your friends, you know? And he's like, I don't even know if I can trust them. Which is huge, and this is a perfect, perfect spot to put Fury in terms of storytelling.
0: Yeah, the whole idea of the Avengers not being trustworthy here because if they're compromised, that's real bad. Yeah, that's a great idea. That's a great. It's the best excuse not to call the Avengers that I think the MCU has ever done. Mm-hmm. Um you know, they, they've relied on the old crutch of oh they're busy. Now they've they've got a good excuse. It's
1: like, well yeah, and but at the same time, like it's funny because he went he did go to an Avenger to to get help. And the Avenger turned him down, right? So now you could play that that roadie could be a scroll.
0: Well I wanted to ask you about that. Funny you should say that because it again I, I don't really want to watch this show. With the mentality of who's a scroll, who's a scroll, I just want to kind of watch it and just let it unfold and, and see what's going on. But yeah. the whole purpose of scrolls is to hide in plain sight. And I figured, based on what we've seen just in these two episodes, if anybody is a scroll, I have a feeling it might be James Rhodes. And I wanted to run this by you and see what you think, because um, just based off what we saw here, it felt to me, and maybe I'm missing something in the canon of Nick Fury and his relationship with the other characters, but it felt to me like he was way too hard on Fury. Um, and I, I don't see a reason why when I look back at the past Marvel stories. Like Fury was around, he was helping, then he gets snapped away, he's gone, I get it, he's absent. But then he comes back and he's up in space, and I get it, they might be ticked off that he spent all his time up in that space station, but I feel like Rhodes is, Rhodes has always been a cool voice of reason. Uh, I mean, we've seen him teamed up with Tony Stark so many times, and Tony Stark is always, never the voice of reason. So Rhodes has always been the one to say, let's not let our emotions get the best of us, let's keep a cool head and figure this out as intelligently as possible, let's make the right choice here. That's always been Rhodes. So, for us to now jump to this point where he's in this restaurant and he's like, Man, I don't trust you. I'm so upset at you. I hate you. Go away. I'm not going to help you. In fact, you're fired. It's like, Dude, what did I do to you? Like, we were friends. Like, what happened? I get that. I oh, don't know. Isabella's doing a cameo here. She's a scroll. She's a scroll. I can tell. <laughs> Hi. Hey. Hey. We're talking about aliens and who's possibly an alien. Oh, it might be possibly you.
1: an alien? Oh, God. Yeah. Ooh, one of my clients, his last name is Kirk. And I really want to call him Captain Kirk really bad. But I can't. <laughs> but I'm like, I'm going to. I'm going to find the time and I'm going to do it. Just call to... him
0: Captain and just like meet him halfway. Yeah, yeah. just be like, hey. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Wow, well played. Uh, but yeah, that, that's what I feel about this whole... Issue here with Don Cheeto. Like he's mm-hmm. just I I don't see a reason for him to be so hard on Nick Theory. I just it doesn't make any sense to me.
1: Well, the the other interesting side of this too is that you know in 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 the cartoon when he when he told Tony that scrolls are real and scrolls are very dangerous, the 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 reason why he told him was not for him to was not for them to work together. But to put a person of importance in a position to make scrolls make mistakes, Mm. so it's either it's either that yes, Rhodes could be a scroll, could very well be a scroll, or that he's putting Rhodes in a position now where he's now trying now he's hyper aware and hypersensitive to the fact that the scrolls could be everywhere. And he's going to push the scrolls into positions where they're going to start making mistakes.
0: That's a very roady thing to do. Yeah. See, that is very, very James Rhodes because he's a colonel. He's a tactician. He knows how to fight a war. Yeah. And I get it. It's the whole thing of, I'm sorry, Fury. I couldn't tell you that's what I was doing because I didn't know if you were compromised. So that makes sense. That's a good way to put it. Mm-hmm. Um, but let, let's say theoretically he was a scroll. Um where and when do you think would have been the ideal place for that switch to have happened? Because I, I assume when the scrolls take somebody's identity, like when that one guy became Electra in the comics, he had Electra like up on a ship somewhere, right? So she can't get in the way. So where in the MCU do you think that could have taken place where somebody took James Rhodes and was like, nope, we're replacing you with a scroll now?
1: Where could it have happened? That's a great question.
0: Oh, where could it have happened? When's the last time we saw him? Was it Endgame? Endgame,
1: and we also saw him
0: uh, uh, Falcon Winter Soldier.
1: Falcon and Winter Soldier, yeah, mm-hmm. we saw him there. But what did he? What was he doing in Falcon? Oh yeah, he went to greet with. He went to talk to Falcon.
0: Yeah, he he was pretty
1: sincere though. He was asking, he was asking why he gave up the shield. Um, right, hmm, that's a tough question, but like it could have happened anywhere between it could have happened after the fact, after Falcon Winter Soldier, but I don't know what note he left on. Um, yeah,
0: that would be the ideal place because again, you don't want to undo. Any of his character work, and
1: that's a critical scene, though the Falcon and Winter Soldier is a very critical scene. Um, it's a very critical scene that you don't want to diminish with 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 this what I would call the scroll gimmick. Right, um, but yeah, it could happen. But here's the thing: it could happen any point after because again, he's become more of a desk. His Rhodey or uh, Fury even said it as a clue. He said that you know, since when are you you know behind a desk now like you know what i mean like saying that because he was he was the special weapons expert right so that's um that's a big thing so i don't know but honestly it's a tricky it's a tricky thing to do but at the same time and i don't want to keep reversing the turning the tables if you will too much but you know another thing was is in the in the cartoon captain america was the scroll and he but he was very much a inspiration patient listening guy through and through even when he was a scroll but it wasn't until the Cree came along that he's like started falling out of character right so either way it it could still go either way but to me uh i I, to me i would prefer it makes it makes roadie more paranoid and he starts making scroll. It start making scrolls. Make mistakes. That's what. That's what. That's what I think should go on. But, yeah, should, talk, yeah. It should Go either way.
0: I like that better too. Yeah. Uh, and there were also a lot of online sort of whispers that uh, Agent Carter might be a scroll, because she was very different. When we saw her in Falcon and Winter Soldier, you know, she she was living hard. She was a very different person. So a lot of people took that to mean scroll, um, and I could go either way on it. What do you think? Do you think there's a possibility she might be green?
1: Sharon Carter. Yeah, there's a big possibility she could. But again, it, it still it still leads to a big question is like, why? Right, right. Like, especially because if you look at the Winter Soldier, for example, she plays a pivotal role in that one um she plays a pivotal role and she also kind of betrays uh she also kind of betrays uh the shield to to help cap so uh, again like it but that's this that's where this beauty of the show serves is like now it makes me reflect back to the other shows and movies and stuff and it makes me go like okay where where did i see this character last and like where will i see this character next you know what I mean? And that's good. That's that's what you want. So so the question. So I guess that you kind of have to see. This is kind of a wait and see. But the, I would say my vote is is now. I want to see what Rody's going to do to start getting scrawls out in the open, or if he is one. I'm and I'm 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 flexible either way. I don't. I think no no way is the wrong way here. So that's where I would leave that. And it even begs the question with this uh, this Coleman character, right? Like or sorry. A uh, Falsworth character uh, that Olivia Coleman plays. It's like um, I don't know I don't think she's a scroll. She seems to she seems to love uh, she seems to know how to interrogate one. That's for sure. Ooh,
0: I was not expecting man, when that figure came off, I was like whoa. i' I have
1: I've seen some interrogation tactics in movies, and let me tell you, setting someone's blood on fire. <laughs> oh, buddy, that is that is a way to torture somebody.
0: Ouch. that
1: sounds that sounds excruciatingly painful.
0: MI6 has learned some new tricks since uh, the last James Bond movie.
1: Yeah. No, it is it is a dirty that is oof, that is just rough. And I love it too, because like not only did I love the door, the door, uh the door comment about her getting in through the, the front door, uh the other one was um the other one was like where's the where's the exit? Knowing that she had to make a hasty exit oh man but but again what i liked about it too was like subverting expectations because i'm like okay so she's obviously going to do some type of torture method or like pretend to be intimidating with the scissors nope yep she just cut cut the squirrel's finger right off i was like okay wow we are not playing around in the show we are we are going straight to facts here let's let's go let's get some facts here and
0: and they showed it and it was like pretty visceral too yeah and and she's holding in her
1: hand she's like well we we solved that one like (laughs) i was like oh yeah and again this is a perfect example of demonstrating the character like this character is a no bs character like she is she is there to get information and that is exactly what she's going to get Uh and which leads me to the big payoff here in the show already which is uh bringing up the story towards super scrolls which is huge. There's so much fun you could have with that. Uh, this is also again, like, don't stop with like roadie on the, the path of cross pollination here. Like if you All want right. to start introducing mutants, now's the time to do it too. Scrolls love
0: mutants. It's um, like the nature of the show too, or the nature of the story rather. If you're gonna do a story where it's like who is a scroll and who's not, you want to cast as wide a net as possible. Don't just limit it to like nick fury and his government buds yeah make us question like is kamala khan's mama scroll like really throw that net out there
1: yeah exactly or is even kamala khan scroll like why not right um but but yeah it's just like exactly cast a big net but the super scroll payoff was huge i think that was a big step forward because everyone's everyone's looking for uh the next big mcu nugget if you will and that was a big one uh especially when um when gaia uh went to the computer and they showed the samples for the super scroll thing and they said so i think what they've said is that they haven't found a scroll with the right dna yet to start the the power shifting um, which will be, and, and if that pays off, like if they get into some super scroll stuff, then like episode five and six are just going to be like the empire strikes back of like scrolls and I am all for it. Like I want them throwing their powers around, like nobody's business. Cause, because then another good reason why you need a superhuman level, uh, response team to, to deal with them. Right. There's no way Nick Fury's mm-hmm. gonna be able to do it in time or deal with them. So how who's he gonna get and it as great as it would be to be war machine, like bring in She-Hulk. Right? She's got right. Some, she works with the government. She's green,
0: so mean. she'll fit in, kind of.
1: Yeah, exactly. So uh or Song Chi, like bring him in, like that would be fun to do, right? Like like, cause like he's clearly teaming up with the Avengers and stuff. So, um, so yeah, so the, the DNA sample sequencer showed, uh, three samples. One was, uh, Groot was a sample of Groot. Uh, two was a sample of a frost, uh, frost giant beast, uh, which is interesting cause there was a frost giant beast that landed in earth, by the way, yeah. if you watched, uh, I think it's, if you watched the first one um or even the second sorry it was the second one dark world was when the monster gets lost in uh, in earth and the third one was in extremis uh which is extremis
0: yes uh, iron man three
1: so that's uh or oh, sorry they had four sorry because they also had call obsidian so um, yes that's right yeah yeah so uh so that was a big one so which is interesting so the only concern I have with that is because the famous, the famous super scroll, I can't remember his name, but is the one who has all the powers of Fantastic Four in one. Mm-hmm. Um, and my concern is, is that if you take them, if you do the math here, you have uh, earth, uh, you have earth, water, fire, uh, you have earth, water, fire, and technically air, if you think about it, because call obsidian, is kind of more of a earthy character with, uh, and then, you uh, Groot is like clearly uh, Mr. Fantastic and kind of the the stretchy arm watery thing. Uh, yeah. Frost, uh, Frost could be you know kind of a playoff, but you know what I mean. Like it looks like they're substituting what would be the the primary ingredients to make the char- the Fantastic Four character into the scroll guy. Right. So that's kind of sad to see because it's again it's that MCU narrative now just taking over in terms of like. You could have done Fantastic Four here, but now it looks like you're doing uh, you know, just whatever.
0: That's a good observation, man. I never even thought of that, of them using that as their Scooper Scroll thing. I was a little busy being distracted by the fact that the computer guy I was using was like 47 years old. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Scrolls, uh, they got a lot of power, but uh, I think they're still running an old Tandy. Uh, they haven't bought a computer in a while. Um, yeah. Those four ingredients, I wonder. I wonder if they're going to play it that way. And I can totally see them especially with the Groot thing using, because Groot visually, you can do a lot of things with him mm-hmm. on a super scroll. Um, yeah. Extremis was was right up there with it. So I think you might be onto something here, buddy. This sounds like it makes sense. And I hope, it, if they go that route, fine with a super scroll, but I hope Uh, they still I hope there's still an episode of the show where they're like hey Dr. Richards got that sample in here so we can check this scroll out
1: and that's all they need to do like they don't like you can even show them for like a split second if you want to but like a name drop like that was the thing like I I loved in Winter Soldier when they name drop Stephen Strange right like they just name drop yes you don't need to do that much like you, you really really don't same with wandavision oh i have a friend who's like a ma- amazing engineer or, or physicist or whatever and it's like
0: <gasps>
1: and it's just some joe blow and you're like <laughs> but but then you get excited again because they're like oh you know here's jimmy woo and you're like <gasps> and he's like he's in it for, he's he, then he's in it for a while and you're just like yeah and then yeah and then something else happens and then it's like okay that's it you know what i mean so yeah. But yeah, it just feels to me, I think that's the big payoff here is like we will get the Super Scroll, but he's made, instead of being made up of Fantastic Four, he's made up of, you know, Cull Obsidian, Extremis Person, Groot, and, you know, Frost Beast.
0: Right. And that might even, knowing how Marvel has operated in the past, that might even be like that Super Scroll is like the final boss of this show in a way. Um, And he's just a Super sprawl, or she, or it could be it could be Gaia who went to doing it to herself. Um, but later down the line, they might take the same technology there and use that to make the one we know who's got all the fantastic four powers. Yeah. Um, so it, it, they could have their cake and eat it too. Um, and speaking of having cake and eating it too, I think that's the perfect segue to the end of episode two. Because who turns out to have a normal civilian life at the end of the day? But Mr. Fury's got a Mrs. Fury.
1: That What's is, going on? Yeah. <laughs> that's really interesting. I'm curious how that's going to play a factor in the whole thing. What if she's Veronky?
0: Oh. Right? She very well could be. Is is this totally new out of a field? Has Fury ever had a wife before?
1: Yes, he has, actually. And uh and uh Julia's character was his love interest.
0: Ooh. I don't blame him. If uh if Julia Louis Dreyfus was in the room, she'd be my love interest too.
1: Yeah, no, she definitely uh she she her characters uh, her character is like a love interest to in Nick Fury, but furious had many love interests throughout the comic books, uh, but not not that I know of that's a scroll. Um, which is really interesting. So uh well, I, we don't know if
0: this lady's a scroll. We just she's as far as we know, right? She's just don't oh, we? Is, is she, because is she I thought
1: I thought when the kitchen scene came she had the scroll face and head. And then when he came in the room she like changed her.
0: Did I miss that? Is that a thing?
1: Did I unless I saw it wrong. I mean I don't know. Maybe I have to double check like two seconds on Disney Plus right now. But I thought I thought that was the thing.
0: She was cutting vegetables, right? She was, yeah, she was making she had, something. I,
1: I'm pretty sure she had scroll hands. Oh, my God. I totally
0: missed that, man. Oh, wow. Um, there you go. <laughs> wow. Well, I mean, he did make friends with Talos and his crew.
1: Yeah, and there was a woman that he was really proud of in the um That was
0: the... that was the Talos's wife. Was it though? I think so. Her name was like Sora or something. Um I, I'm pretty sure it was the same name as Taylor's wife, but like that would be an ample opportunity to have met this lady, right? He he met a scroll and he's like, hey, you're not half bad. Let's get hitched. Um so it's not outside their own possibility that he's married to a scroll, But I completely missed that, man. That's so cool. I failed. I failed as a Marvel fan. I'm sorry.
1: <laughs> no, it's okay. Uh, yeah, no, I, I, I'm pretty sure that's what I saw. And I was like, okay, where's this going? So I'm curious because I, I don't think, I don't know if it's Talos' wife or not. I, I actually thought and when i and this is why i thought or this is why i'm pretty sure she was a scroll because i actually thought because i'm like talos played as fury on and off during the spider-man times Mm -hmm. and he said his wife is dead and so i was like okay so is this is this talos being fury and then that you know they come together or is it fury as fury and uh and either it's either it's Talos's wife or just someone different. Hmm.
0: But it begs it
1: begs the question: is like, like, like what? Where's this story going? Is 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 what I want to know.
0: Yeah, um, th- I'm I'm glad there's only six episodes here. This is a, a good uh, short show. That uh, I'm you know I'm glad it's not dragging on or anything like that. I say we hold off on coming up with a tombstone for Maria Hill until the show is finished. Because I feel like you're right. This, this is too sneaky. This is, everybody here is a little, little sneak. So I'm not going to. What do your eyes see? I know. I'm not going to believe anything until I see it. Uh, she didn't turn green, but still, I, I don't know. Um, but Ryan, do you have any final thoughts on Secret Invasion so far?
1: Uh, honestly episode, like I said I think I'll leave I'll leave our audience with like uh, with the one big thing that i said throughout the whole thing which is uh which is episode two really really got me like teeth sunk in here because now I'm like scrolls are where they need to be fury's where he needs to be in terms of his story and his growth and now we have new characters uh, and and graphics shaping up now to be a good villain but again he's not quite there yet but but we're cooking. We're cooking right now, and I'm curious to see what uh, what's gonna come out of it.
0: Yeah, I feel you, man. Gravic is he's getting there right now. He's still in that weird Tony Montana phase where his whole thing is just I'm cocky, and he just sits like this. People yeah. can't see on if they're just listening to the podcast, but I'm trying to sit like cocky Tony Montana with his arms around two women. Um so we'll see how Gravic evolves as we go on. This show is still, in my opinion, the least interesting thing that is on the Marvel docket, at least for now. Next week they could totally throw me for a loop and it might become the most interesting thing and I would welcome that wholeheartedly. Um, but I'm like I, i still intrigued by what's happening here and I just, I want it to matter in, and I want it to, in phase four, And even Phase 5 with Quantumania, Marvel has really played the long game with its breadcrumbs. And I love that, and I don't want to complain about it. But I do want to start seeing some short game breadcrumbs. Like, I want what happens here to matter in the Marvels. Like, I really want it to matter as fast as it can. Because we've had our waiting time. The water's starting to boil now. Let's get hot.
1: Right. That's it. That's exactly my point is like, is this a building block or is it just, is it, uh, is a, is it just another showpiece for something completely different? And I want it to be a building block. It's like, yeah. Let's go. Let's go. Let's see where this takes us.
0: It'll all tie into Ahsoka.
1: Oh, <laughs> there you go.
0: Ahsoka's a scroll.
1: Yeah, You heard it here first. Oh, I heard it. I did it.
0: Ryan, where can the people find you when you're not a scroll?
1: Uh, I've been kind of hopping from social media channel to social media channel lately. Uh, you can find me on Rebel Scum Podcast, (laughs) uh, but actually right now you can find me on youtube.com forward slash expert zone. That's where I'm publishing, uh, YouTube videos every week, uh, usually around Thursday.
0: And you can find me here on Rebel Scum Podcast and on our sister channel, Digital Charcuterie. You can also find me on Twitter and Instagram at Andrew Fantasia, but mostly you can find me still at home playing Tears of the Kingdom because my god that game is pretty much flawless and right I don't want to brag but uh, I killed my first king gleok the other day so
1: I'm not sure what that means exactly but <laughs> it sounds uh, like sounds like an epic uh, achievement for sure and uh, it, it was something it was it quite a wanna, it makes me want to play it but I I don't know if it's a commitment I can make right now
0: do it i promise
1: i won't be disappointed i mean i think the biggest nintendo news i received lately is the uh the remake of super mario rpg that's what that's right
0: that's right and we're getting uh mario wonder later. yes you are oh, wow. um but yeah that's that's it for now next time we do an episode of this though i wanted to just quickly ask you your thoughts before we leave here by the time you see us next we will have gotten Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny. It's coming out. How are you feeling about this film right now? We're getting an Indiana Jones five. Where's your head at?
1: I'm actually rewatching the Indiana Jones series because that's that's what these things do. And yes, we're at a time where nothing's really sacred anymore. But uh, but Indiana Jones is an interesting interesting journey because. Uh I will I will leave with the short short thing is Indiana Jones sort of has this thing where once the first story is amazing, second story is okay, third story is good, fourth story is okay. So or well, has some mistakes. So <laughs> so if if the pattern stays true, then this is gonna be a really good one. Um but there there are moments of Indiana Jones that just really stick with you. And I'm hoping that this movie does does just that. I hope it sticks with you. And it and it leaves you with with a good it leaves you with a good memory of Indiana Jones and it, I hope it I hope it ends, I hope it hangs his hat in the best possible way uh, so I'm I'm really fingers crossed I'm really hoping it's a great story uh, and I I am excited uh, the one thing that excites me when you do something like Indiana Jones especially if you're revitalizing a franchise like that is they didn't just go short on a movie poster and just you know you know just take his picture and throw it on a movie poster no they they painted it just like they used to and and stuff like that make me go okay this is going to be a really good send off cuz the, the as far as i know and as far as the the press has been around this as far as i know this is uh, Harrison's last ride as indie and uh yeah, I just want it to leave me with a really good memory of why I love the Indiana Jones movies. And if it does that, then I will be a happy camper.
0: I think you're going to get your wish, man. And those posters, I think that this franchise is five for five with its posters. Like all of its posters are 10 out of 10. Oh, They are beautiful movie posters. If I had the wall space, I would just get all of them and just line them up. Um, I'm really excited to see him find the dial of destiny, whatever the hell that's supposed to be. Uh, and I think we're going to get a very different Indiana Jones movie, but a very satisfying one.
1: Yep. Yeah, I, 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 couldn't agree more, buddy. I, I wanted to see it this weekend, um, with my parents, but unfortunately my parents are traveling, so we cannot see it this weekend, but hopefully I'll see it, uh, the following weekend okay. or something
0: all uh, right i'm gonna go see it on tuesday so i'll let you know what i think you let me know what you think and i will,
1: uh, I will let you know you'll be the first to know i'm sure yes
0: uh we'll we'll just text each other and we'll know what we mean <laughs> <laughs> exactly uh, All right, sir. It has been a blast here on Infinity Rewatch with you again. It feels like forever since we've done this. Uh, Marvel's been slowing down. Well, that's okay. That's okay. But uh, we got another week ahead of us till episode three. Until then, everybody, including scrolls, we love you. Please have a marvelous day.